What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni. And with me, once again, is Colin J. Mitchell. Colin. Yes, Jordan. Michael Jordan? What is happening? I Are you related to Michael Jordan? No, but I guess I can be if it means that I'm no longer Marco <laughs> Bellinelli. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, you're getting promoted to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Ladies and gentlemen, cousin. I am Michael Jordan's cousin. Who's like an insurance broker? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Hey, you know, I'm gonna I have to make a confession. Last night I played two K and tried making my player. And I looked for Marco Bellinelli's jump shot just because uh, I had to. It's kind of it's kind of it similar. Might, I definitely not? Uh, no my, no. my jump shot is little... not my my no my jump shot is not Marco Bellinelli. It's more like a. You can't put anyone's name to your jump shot. I didn't because I kept trying to look. It'd be disrespectful. <laughs> That's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, whenever I whenever I pick my uh, my two K jump shot, it's like the amateur like kit, yeah, like yeah. it's like amateur <laughs> one through nine. <laughs> Like base release, base yeah, release. no. Uh, we we also lied to our audience last week. We told them we were gonna play on Friday or Saturday. It's gonna be today now. Yeah, it's my bit. fault. We're gonna do. Yeah, listen, Bruni is very unreliable. Um, I drove to Waco on Friday, and Colin wanted me to drive over here the following morning to play basketball. Okay, first of all, I didn't want him to. Bruni offered to. I offered a long time ago. And it just, did it just hit you? Did it just... Yes, I got home from Waco and I was just like, damn, I'm tired. So, well, now you've probably gained like maybe a pound because of that. We don't need to bring up my weight on this show, okay? What are you, you know how like, sensitive like I am about my weight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um. Okay, but anyways, we have a lot to talk about because it's a three-game week, Colin. Three whole basketball games have been played NBA since we last time? did this did this podcast they're basically an nba team now at this point except they have nine days off now before the could next they beat game. the knicks how much is most scoring against the knicks <laughs> you know against the knicks he could probably put up like 10 i was gonna say 12 yeah he could probably most scoring 12 against the knicks <laughs> <laughs> him versus rj barry and she you know oh my god rj you know he, he could probably get a couple buckets on rj thomas bell versus julius randall you know, Julius Randle missed a free throw Zach last night. Zach Simmons to, to versus Mitchell Robinson. Both Conference USA centers. All right, there you have it. We got a game, ladies and gentlemen. There and you have listen, it. Listen, when they have to roll out those five power forwards and Grant brings out those guards, too quick. Marcus Morris versus Rose. Jalen. <laughs> <laughs> what a matchup that would be. Oh, my God. Two just chuckers, man. They just go. Jalen Jackson versus Frank. Frank still play for them? I thought he play. I thought he plays over Dennis Smith right now. Uh, he might. He might. But I know Dennis Smith there too. That's a, that's a game actually, Colin. You might be onto that's something. No, no, no. <laughs> Remember a few years ago where it was asked if Kentucky could beat the Knicks yeah. and everyone said no. Well, just know that this North Texas team is better hey, than that hey. Kentucky team. And we might be over overreacting this podcast, so this is a good preface. But that's that's. I'm gonna say that's a little bit more than an overreaction. <laughs> That's that's going Hyperbole. that's going into that's going into like just complete nonsense territory. Oh, fine, fine, fine. We'll but, tone it down. But Mo's actually going to score ten against. Oh, the Knicks. Mo would actually score ten against the Knicks. Put him on any NBA team, he's scoring ten. Kobe White two point All right. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, like I said, three game week. We have a lot to talk about today. They played UT Arlington on Monday. They played Oklahoma on Thursday, and they played Arkansas Little Rock on Saturday. Colin, it was a uh, it was a loaded week. And it, they ended up 2-1, and one, almost 3-0, but we'll get into that. So, let's start with Monday's game just real quickly. I'm just gonna, We're going to run through the recaps first. Not, not won't take long at all, and then we'll get into our overarching takeaways. UT Arlington, that was a very interesting game. I was there in Arlington. They defeated UT Arlington 77-66, and it wasn't really even that close until UT Arlington made it that close with a run in the second half to cut it to six. But in the first half, North Texas just dominated the game. 35 to 23. Everybody was getting open looks. They were making open looks. James Reese hit, um, even scored. And this was that, this was the end of his like drought drought. Yeah. This was the end of it. So everybody was scoring. They were having success both ways. Their defense was fantastic. This game, 
and especially in the first half. And then in the second half, UT Arlington scored 43, but you know it was kind of a, hot, a faster game, more of tempo game, so it wasn't too much to worry about. But UT Arlington did almost come back, so um, it was good to get for them to get that win on the road. Now, and I tweeted before the game that they needed that win. So oh yeah, absolutely. It was like yeah, so I'm glad they did. And then they go to Oklahoma on Thursday, home game against you know Oklahoma. We we covered this last year. North Texas versus Oklahoma. It was in Oklahoma. This time it's in North Texas. It was a packed house. 7,000 people. I mean, media row was filled up. Elbow to elbow. You know, no no room. And it was it was a fantastic game. Best Colin. game I've seen in the pit. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. North Texas came out swinging. Everybody was hitting threes. Rose was hitting threes. Reese was hitting threes. <laughs> Mo was hitting threes. You name it. Everybody was hitting shots. North Texas goes up. They go up in uh, in the half up six, I believe, and then in the second half they go up by ten with twelve minutes left. They're still playing really well, and then Oklahoma comes back and they put together a really good run of defense. They put uh, Doolittle on Mo to help neutralize him, and nobody else could really create after that happened. So after Mo was kind of taken out of the picture, it was like, where else are they going to get the points from? And they couldn't really get it from anywhere else. So. Oklahoma came back. It was still a great game. It was 82 to 80. Oklahoma won. It was a Doolittle three to put them up three. Then North Texas cut it to one, fouled up back up to two because Manic hit one of two. So it was 82 to 80. North Texas comes down, pushes the ball, gives it to Thomas on the wing, hoist up a three, and missed. Did you think that Thomas shot was going in? I wanted to believe it was going to go in. But did you think it was going to no. go in? When he shot it, were you, were you saying, oh my gosh, they're going to no. do it? What were you thinking? I was thinking... <laughs> I hope it goes in. No, I was thinking, dang, his base is kind of is kind of wide because he like he he, he had the he had the follow-through like he was going to hit it, and yes. I was like, there's no way that's going in. <laughs> he, it kinda, he like stuck his legs out like he wanted to get fouled or something like that. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of weird. And then he was like went out wide. Yeah, yeah, it was like off balance. And... As soon as he got the ball, I was like, this is not going to I want to know why they didn't just try to tie the game. They did. I mean, they got in the paint and he kicked it out. Did he not? Or it was yeah, like it close was to the paint and he kicked it out. The paint. I don't have a problem with I feel with like that. he could have gotten up with, with something. No, nah, I don't I don't have a problem with him kicking it out. Because it's like, even if it was like Zach on the three-point line, you have a wide open three. I'd much rather have Zach right now than okay, Thomas. Okay, me too. But, well, Thomas was two for three last night. He's streaky. He's streaky. Well, he's four of 20 on the year Zach now. had three attempts a game. What would he be on the season? Okay, we don't know. Exactly. R- regardless, I'm just saying an open three by anybody. Yeah. No. Every, every to I'm, be Oklahoma. Yeah. You don't have to go to overtime. The fact that they were even in that position to begin with. I'm like, was, hey man, you take it as well. You take it. Yeah. So Thomas had the three, missed it. Um, at that point, he was two of seventeen on the year from three after that three, and that's the main reason I thought I was like, this is not going in, and it didn't go in. So that kind of is what separates North Texas from Oklahoma. They. Had, Oklahoma has a guy in Doolittle that just took, hit, hit a big time shot. Took the game over, hit a three over Zach, and like ended the game. And North Texas is struggling on offense down the stretch because they don't have that Doolittle type guy, which is, I mean, it's not a knock on North Texas. It's just like that's the difference. So, right. And then you get into last night's game against Arkansas Little Rock, and there was no hangover at all for North Texas. They no. just shot the lights out. They shot, hit 19 threes. They hit nine of their first 10 threes in the first 13 minutes of the game. We'll, we'll get into this in a second, but, I mean, they were just getting wide open looks. They Mo was 7 of 10 from the from three. Uh, Reese was 4 of 9, I believe, from three. You go down the list of play, uh, DJ, I think, was 3 of 4 or something like that again. They were getting wide open threes. They were making their threes, which was really promising to see. And they ended 19 of 35 from three on the game. They ended up winning 76 to 53. They blew them out. Uh, the defense was also impressive. Uh, they were up 22 to 21 with about 10 minutes left in the first half. So through 10 minutes, it was 22 21, and then from that point on, they uh, held Little Rock to 32 points for the last 30 minutes. So can't complain too much. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, that's a quick run through of the last three games. Um, oh, also the 19 three pointers is the most made against a Division One school in history. So they've they've hit 19 a couple times before, but Division Two and whatnot. So. Those are those are the quick recaps, Klein. The first thing I guess we should start with. I guess we should start with overall takeaways from from each game, or just like in general. Okay, yeah. Here, how about this? I'll run through my overall takeaway from UT Arlington. 
then we go to Oklahoma and we'll just do like what 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 we learned about the team okay. in each game. Yeah. UT Ellington, I think we learned that they can win an important road game when they need to. And their their defense is good enough to compete with because UT Ellington is like a a middling would be like a middling conference USA team. Like yeah, they they would be like maybe tenth or ninth in conference USA, and they were able to shut them down for an entire half, and then pu- hold on for that win, yeah, even though they've lost close games like that before, and they've let teams get back into the games. They played defense, then they hit shots late, and they did what they had to do to come out with the win. That was my probably that was my main takeaway from UT Arlington was being able to win those big games, win those close games on the road. Um, and kind of break through in a sense. Yeah. So that was my takeaway from UT Arlington. What about the Oklahoma game? Where, where, oh, you don't want my takeaway from UT Arlington? Oh, do you want go, go ahead. Go wow. Ahead. Go uh, ahead. My takeaway from the UT Arlington game is that they could finally, they, we could see that they were able to put it together. Obviously, these last two games, they've been able to put it together offensively, but we finally were able to see them have a majority of the game. They were able to move the ball, get really good shots, and everyone was kind of getting involved. So yep. that, that would be my main takeaway. Now, Oklahoma. There's a lot to take away from the Oklahoma game, but my main takeaway probably, I think that was the first game where I was like, all right, they, these guys can legitimately score at a high level against yeah. high level competition. And what was, I'm just interrupting you. No, sorry, go ahead, go but ahead. you were, you were saying before the game, like we, you had said it and I had said it as well with you that we thought that they weren't going to be close at all because they, we thought it was going to take longer for them to even get to the point that they were at that yeah. night. Yeah, we both thought it was going to be like 60 to 57 or something like that because I thought the defense was going to... Yeah, we thought it was going to be another Arkansas or another VCU. Exactly. That this, So this was the first time that they actually like scored consistently against a quality team. Mm-hmm. Now, I I did... I do think Oklahoma's defense was like concerning for them for their ass, from their side of things like to allow North Texas to score 80 points on you when they haven't done so at all against like a quality team that was concerning for them. But from North Texas perspective to get the looks that they got, I feel like those were pretty sustainable looks. Like they were open looks. They were open threes. A lot of them Draper uh, Reese Hamlet was, I mean, Hamlet had, had a few tough, you know, step backs and uh, crossovers. But for the most part, I didn't have a problem with their offense at all. As far as the shots go, it didn't look unsustainable. I think that was the main takeaway. Yeah. So from from me at least, what what about you? I think mentally, just their poise. Last year we saw the this this team play Oklahoma, and it was just after they had gotten down by like eight or something. I forgot. Mm-hmm. It, you could just tell the game was over. Yeah. Whereas this time it felt like North Texas lost the game as opposed mm-hmm. to Oklahoma winning it. Yeah. So it's like, and I do think down the stretch it was handled a lot better. Yeah. Than those Utah State games, VCU games, et cetera, et cetera. The game was just handled way better from mm-hmm. them, and I don't. I think a lot of that also has to do with being at home. I think that was a big thing as well, just feeding off that energy yeah. and a, a, a packed house, really. And it showed on both ends. I think that they just handled it really well. I mean, like I said, they put Doolittle on Mo, and that created a lot of problems, but they still were able to score like in other ways. Like They fed it to Zach, and Zach had a few, a couple post-ups that ended up in buckets. DJ hit some threes. I mean, they, they were able to score without Mo, and... That doesn't happen if this game was two weeks ago, right? So they're 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 a lot more poised, like you said. I think that's a good takeaway. Now Arkansas Little Rock. The only thing that I feel like I learned about this team is that they can make open threes consistently, and I feel <laughs> that's like a that, great that, takeaway, that, that's a big takeaway. No, that's a great takeaway. It is, um, but to man, because they were getting wide open looks, and I was. I tweeted out, man, Arkansas Little Rock's defense is not good. No. It was not good at all. Man, they I had even, so many missed assignments on inbound plays. Oh, my God. <laughs> I even I asked Reese, James Reese, after the game, I was like, so what did you see in their defense that allowed you all to get the open looks? And he basically just said, like, he didn't say this, but this is what I got from it, like, insinuated. He basically just said, yeah, they were helping, like, one pass away. They were helping, like, really easily off our shooters. And so it was, like, not hard for us just to find the open shooter and make the extra pass and boom wide open three yeah like it was easy it wasn't yeah. it wasn't difficult at all they weren't forcing them to do anything uncomfortable they no they were just getting a little bit of penetration maybe coming off a screen and just boom boom open three like it was it was easy and that while um while i say they can make open threes i say it kind of tongue-in-cheek i guess it really is a big deal for this team because i feel like DJ Draper, 
Mo Gibson, and James Reese. Do you remember that podcast we did a, f- a few weeks ago where we just said they're snipers? Yeah. Na- yeah. They didn't have snipers last year. They're sniper snipers. Yeah, they had machine guns that missed a lot (laughs) last year. Like, DJ was their only sniper last year, and this year he has a a much bigger role than he did last year. Mm -hmm. And for good reason. Like, he is a sniper. Like, Reese, we never doubted. We never doubted whether Reese was going to make shots or not. We just said, when is it going to happen? And it's happening. He's a sniper. And then you go to Mo Gibson. We've known he's a sniper, and he just proves it again. Like, those three guys are going to make shots if they are open shots. Yeah. And so when you know that as an offense, you can gear your offense to, you know, when you work inside, you know that if he helps off DJ even a step, I'm kicking it to him in the corner and that's going to be a three. Yeah. Like there's just a different thought process than someone like Jordan Duffy in the corner. And you're like, oh, if he helps off him, uh, should I kick it? Should I take it up anyway? Should I yeah. like, try to find that? Like there's a different mindset you have when you play with snipers and when you play with people who are like, who can make a three? Yeah, who who can just like oh, okay, he can make an open three. There's a there's a huge difference. So, um, quick anecdote. Anecdote. I was man. I played basketball. I think it was Wednesday, something like that. Wednesday, and I was guarding a sniper, Colin. And have you told me this story yet? No, I haven't. Uh, I played the. I told my mom. That's the only person I told. I told my mom. And man, I was. Good job, Matthew. I was so upset. This was I. I usually don't get upset at pickup games, but this was, I was pretty upset. So I was guarding a, a sniper. He already hit a three earlier in the game. And I was like, oh, man, I got to guard this guy. So I, I'm guarding, I'm guarding him. But like my, my help instincts, and this is, I've never been a good defender, but my help instincts, you know, try to have one foot in the pain if it's four passes away or whatever, you know, get in position to rotate all this stuff. You got to just stay on him, man. So he had a second three and I was like, oh my gosh, this has never happened. And it was slightly contested too. And he's like, he just hit it. I was like, all right, I cannot give up another open three. The game, Colin, is 11 to 11. Go to 12, all right? We go to 12, straight up. All right, I'm guarding this man again. We're like, no layups, no layups. The guy, uh, someone drives, and I'm like, damn, I don't want to give up layups. So I like, kind of dig, <laughs> kicks it to my, kicks it to the shooter, just hits it. <laughs> and I just walked off the court. I went and just ran. I was like, you just ran off the court grab your stuff on the way i was like i was like this is this is unacceptable and that's what little that's what arkansas little rock was doing they were just they couldn't figure out how to defend the snipers and that i i related to that and it was very frustrating and i don't understand how they did that for the entire game yeah i know it was really <laughs> bad um i'm gonna say my biggest takeaway from that game is that they can win the ones that they're supposed to win last year it was if they played a team you kind of never really knew going into i mean you expected them to win but a lot of the times they also showed us that they They've lost those games. So it's good when you know that you can beat the bat, the ones you're supposed to win. Yeah. Now, I think one thing that we are starting to see is what we talked about earlier in the season, or maybe even before the season, that the ceiling on this team is significantly higher, right? We saw the floor be lower early in the se- early in the first seven games of the season. We saw the floor was was lower because their offense was just not consistent they were trying to find their footing they don't have a consistent force on offense besides now mo but um they don't have that ryan woolridge presence that elevates the floor but the last three games this whole week we've seen that ceiling that we talked about we've seen that we don't know where the ceiling is for this team right now because they are passing the ball they had 20 how many assists they have 23 they had 23 assists last night that's gonna be the most in a while. A long time. A long. Last long year time. they only had. Last year their high was nineteen, and they only hit that once. And I don't remember anything before that, but regardless, twenty three assists on twenty six made baskets. That is really good. That is your. That shows the potential of this team right now. Now, I don't know where the ceiling is for this team right now. I don't know if it's top three in conference USA or if it's top five in conference USA I don't know but regardless just this improvement this drastic improvement over the past two weeks and what we've seen has been incredible like that that's just I, I can't word it any other way it's been incredible and for them to be passing the ball the way they're passing it to be making shots the way they're making shots and to be rebounding still though and rebounding and defending the way that they are still capable of and the way we know them to defend and rebound the ceiling of this team is really high 
like really high. Like yeah. I, I don't, I'm not going to go into any games in conference play and be like, damn, I don't know if they're good enough to beat this team. Like right. last year when they played West Kentucky or they played Old Dominion, I was like, yeah, we wrote them up as losses. I was like, I was like, okay, they can hang with this team, but I don't know if they're good enough to beat that team. Yeah. This year, I don't know if we can go into a game and be like, they're not good enough to beat that team because of the way they're passing and the way they're shooting. The offense alone just gives you a puncher's chance. And we know that this team is going to be a top three or four defense in the Conference USA. <laughs> Maybe. In the like, I'm just... I'm, <laughs> the, the, they got to be really up there in the country right now, too. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they are. They're, well, this, this Oklahoma game, I'm sure, set them back in that respect. And UT Arlington uh, was was a good performance, but numerically it, was, it wasn't dominant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas last year they had to be dominant on defense. This year they can give up forty three points and a half to UT, UT Arlington, and still win. Yeah, they can still play with a little bit more variety, a little more freedom, a little different lineups. They have a lot more freedom in that respect. So, so yeah, I just I just think that the ceiling and Mark, chalk another one up for us, Colin. We're just continue being right, you know. The the ceiling of this After getting team, the football season completely wrong. Oh, hey man, we're taking every single thing we can in this basketball. <laughs> we gotta season. bounce it back out. <laughs> you thought, hey, for those of y'all who were with us on the football podcast and thought, damn, these guys don't know what they're talking about. Hey, basketball season, we got y'all. <laughs> we got y'all. You're no. just, so you're telling them not to believe football takes? No, we were right on football. We were right on football. We were just wrong preseason. Yeah, but everybody was wrong preseason. That's true. You go through the list of people who had this team not winning of that team not winning seven games and it was non-existent so regardless we we're we're more right now we're yes. actually getting our preseason predictions right and it's really good to see because this team is a fun team that i think is is capable of doing really really interesting things one thing i do want to mention is that conference usa is balling yes we've said in the past that this conference usa is not a bad basketball conference it's starting to become a good basketball conference. Last night, uh, Western Kentucky beat Arkansas. I forgot the score. In overtime without Charles Bass in the second half. Whew. Didn't know that. And then La Tech, I forgot who they beat. Or uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Two SEC teams, although SEC is not a good basketball conference uh-huh. in regards to their football yeah. status. But, man. It's like, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's like UTSA might not end up being a top half team. Despite what we thought of them, like they're not playing well right now. UTSA, they barely, I think they barely beat Texas State last night, which is not impressive, and they they don't have a good record right now. But still, just like knowing that that team is gonna be like a eight or nine team in in conference USA is like you still have to play them and be like, all right, they still have Javon Jackson. They're still Wallace. dangerous, like, exactly. You like it's just like playing like the Trailblazers or something. Like they're not playing well right now. They still got Damon CJ. Like you still have to be worried about them. And then you go down the list of like good teams and. There's a lot more depth to this conference this year, whereas last year I felt like it was like Old Dominion, Western Kentucky, and then, you know... Everyone else is in the same... Drop off to UTSA, UAB, Southern Miss, North Texas-ish, that area. Mm -hmm. North Texas could be top five, and they could be fifth, just with how good, like, a top five could be. Like, this whole conference is going to be much deeper than it was last year, I think, so... Um, So that's what I had to say about that. Let me pull my notes up. Oh, here's here's what I asked you, Colin. Do you remember what I texted you last night? Yes. Okay. Do you wanna do you wanna pose it? Sure. Okay. So against Oklahoma in the first half, I believe they only attempted one free throw. Yes. And uh they were still up <laughs> by six at half. And Bruni asked me last night, can this team win games consistently without getting to the free throw line? And uh that's a tough question. It is. Because most of the time you want to get to the free throw line to win games. I mean, uh, against, uh, I don't have the box in front. Oh, against Arkansas Little Rock, they attempted 19 threes in the sec- or nineteen free throws in the second half. North Texas attempted six free throws in the second half. Mm-hmm. And that's, most of those are all for fouls. Yes. Um, I posed this question because it's something that Grant McCaslin has talked about this season and in the years past. So if you remember the last two years, basically, they didn't get to the free throw line at all. Like, last year especially, they were one of the worst teams in the entire country at getting the free throw line. They got to the free throw line, like, 20% of their field goal, field goal attempts. I don't know how to – the free throw rate was very low. Yeah. That's all I have to say. And it made sense when you looked at the team, right? Ryan was the only one. Maybe Zach was, was getting to the free throw line, but that's it. This year, we anticipated that increasing pretty significantly, and it has not yet. And it's better than last year, 
but it's still not at a level where I feel like Grant wants to be at. Now, usually, I pose this question because usually free throws have a relationship, have a correlation to your aggressiveness and your ability to get in the paint, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's, you can't really deny that per se, but you can question the direct correlation between free throws and getting in the paint. This team last night, they shot, you have the free throws. How many total free throws did they shoot last Uh, night? Total free throws, they shot, they shot six. North Texas? All in the second half. They didn't shoot a single one in the first half. Yeah. Let me see it, Colin. I don't believe you. There's no way that's right. That's correct. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) So they shot six free throws last night. All in the second half. All in the second half. Against the first half, in the first half against Oklahoma, they didn't, they shot like one or two. Yeah. So I posed a question. I said, why are we so intent on looking at the free throw numbers as representation of whether this offense is doing well or not? Right. And I mean, the only thing I could figure is that it's a good, I mean, it's, it's obviously what you want. You want to get to the free throw line because it's easy points, right? Right. It's in theory, it's like 1.5 points per possession, which is really good. However, if you're getting open threes, regardless which they were against Oklahoma and they were against Arkansas Little Rock I feel like it's on the defense to make you get fouled I don't know how to word this but if the defense is sign- is significantly collapsing in a in a way where you're making the easy pass out and you're not getting fouled going up for a layup and you're getting an open 3 like that's what you want this team this team is so what I'm trying to get to is this team is based around their three-point shooting at this point in the year. They're based around getting Mo, DJ, and Reese open looks from three. More of their shots, over roughly 60% of their shots last night were from three. Yes. And, I mean, shoot, if you look at Oklahoma, I don't think it's much different. So they shot 32 of their 59 shots were from three against Oklahoma, which is over half. Yeah, 35 of 54 for... Yeah. So that's what this team is kind of based around right now. They're based around... Those three guys getting open looks from three. They're based around their bigs rebounding and defending well. And Javion Hammett kind of just being the facilitator right now. He had eight assists and two points last night. Yeah. Like this, what they did last night and what they did against Oklahoma in the first half especially is kind of what I feel like this team needs to be doing on a consistent basis and want, should be wanting to do on a consistent basis. Now, you can say that it's going to get difficult when teams scout better. Right, because obviously Arkansas Little Rock did not look like they knew what the hell they were doing last night. <laughs> like, there's no way you can sugarcoat that. They were leaving DJ, they were leaving Mo, so they were leaving a bunch of people. I was like, "Are you gonna guard him?" Like, because I wanted to see how this team would handle if they were actually guarded, yeah, and they weren't guarded. So, you know, once you get in conference play, it's a different animal. You start playing teams that are familiar with you and whatnot. But ideally, Javion Hamlet getting feet in the paint, um, Zach getting feet in the paint. Um, Mo getting feet in the paint and kicking out the shooters is what this team should want because they have those snipers that we talked about. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how how much stock should we put into free throws for this team? I still think you need to have a lot of stock into free throws mm-hmm. because in the end, against Oklahoma, if you have a guy that can get to the basket, that's a way easier shot than trying to get an open guy for three. Although they found one in Thomas the shot you want in that situation, at least in my opinion, is to tie the game up. And yes. Mo got into the paint, but obviously he's not like a huge force or anything. Yeah. So we kicked it out to Thomas. And like you said, it's easy points. It can, I mean, it can just win you games. Yeah. Although it's not, like you said, they have been getting in the paint a lot more this season. We haven't seen aggressiveness going to the basket, which I think is something. I think Dang is probably the only one. Dang, Dang is the, yeah, because I mean, you see Javion go up and it's usually a floater or really, really tough layup from super far away from the basket. Yeah. And Thomas, I mean, Thomas is the only other one trying to drive to the basket yeah. outside and of Zach those is two. a post. And so. Zach is a post. So I think it, it doesn't show aggressiveness getting into the paint, but it shows aggressiveness going to the basket. And I think they need more of that. Yes, I agree. My only counter. And and they shot twelve thirteen from free throw line against Oklahoma. So obviously there's a huge yeah. Like if you get to free throw line, this team is a good free throw shooting team. They yeah, because they have those shooters, so they're gonna make free throws. So it's obviously beneficial. But I'm just asking, because in a perfect world you'd love to get the free throw line twenty times a game. Mm-hmm. Like that'd be that'd be terrific. And I don't even think that's not even that unreasonable. But twenty free throw time, twenty free throws a game, 
would be ideal. But I'm wondering if you don't have the personnel to do that, how much do you want to force it before just saying, all right, take what they give, take what's take. And I'm not saying they're forcing trying to get to the freezer line, but I'm just saying at what point do you just say, Hey, when we get two feet in the paint, see if they help off of, the corner see if they instead of trying to get to the free throw line because i know that are we sure line, that they don't have guys that can get to the free throw line they haven't yet they haven't yet but javion javion I, I don't understand why reese hasn't gone to the basket it reese makes, has been interesting it makes no sense to me i showed you a picture before the podcast of he got a ball in transition against yeah. arkansas little rock on the wing and probably could have drove and gotten the foul yeah and it just didn't happen it, it just I don't know if it's a game plan thing just to keep everyone out on the perimeter because mm-hmm. you do get those easy shots and you I mean Grant this team can space the floor great. Yes. But why not just try to be aggressive? And that's regardless be the, of who it is. Yes. I mean that, it, you don't have to be you have to be a really good interior scorer to make an and one or to to get the foul and make the shot. Yes. But anybody can draw a foul. Yes. I do think that that is going to be important moving forward. I don't know. I don't want to underplay the significance of getting to the free throw line because it has been a problem for this team the last two years, like not getting to the free throw line, and it's shown in the whether that's later later in conference USA play or the postseason. It's shown that it becomes hard to score, and if you don't get to the free throw line, you have to really work a lot harder than mm-hmm. what other what other teams do. I mean, Oklahoma got to the line twenty five times. Mm-hmm. So you give them double the amount of free throws, and it just shows the kind of physicality difference between Oklahoma and North Texas. And that's what free throws usually do. They That's why I preface this whole thing by saying you want to get to the free throw line because it shows you being aggressive, like you said, aggressive going to the basket, ag- aggressive being at the rim. Like they're either blocking you or fouling you, mm-hmm. or you're making a bucket. Yeah. So that's what you want. But I don't know if the personnel for North Texas – is ideal for them to be trying to do that against good teams. So that's where that's why I'm like, because against the first half against Oklahoma, I never thought, I never was like, damn, they need to get to the free throw line more. No, I never was either. I only noticed it because I was thinking about it and looked up, and everyone cheered when they got their first foul. Right, calls. and that and that's it's fine whenever you can't do it, but against an Arkansas Little Rock, against I mean even Oklahoma Christian, I don't remember a whole lot of free throws yeah. against teams on your level. You need to be getting there. I do agree because. You're not going to be able to, sh- be able to be shooting lights out like you have been. Like eventually, Reese is going to have another drought, or Moe's not going to be able to make deep threes, or DJ's not going to make three or four a game. That's going to happen sometime, and you need to have your bread and butter to go back to, which is getting inside and going to the basket. Now, we did see late against Oklahoma, we saw them go to Zach more in the post, which we've. I feel like he's kind of like a fail safe at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they've played through him a few a few times, like to run their offense around him. But a lot of times he feels like a fail safe. It's like, all right, let's try to get the ball to Zach here because this isn't working or yeah. this and that is working. Because either get doubled and or he, blow up with it. He can finish, man. I don't know what he's shooting on the season. Let me let me pull up what he's shooting on the season. But like he his finishes over Oklahoma. I think it was Manic on the inside. Yeah. I mean, he was finishing really. No, those are really impressive. They were really. He has great touch around the basket, and it's really impressive. He is shooting fifty-seven and a half percent from the field this year, which is not bad at all. Mm-mm. Like sixty percent is is great. So he's he's right there. Um, and remember he's he's one of four from three this year, so that kind of that's fine pulls it back a little bit. But the field goal percentage keep shooting them. I don't have I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a huge problem with it either. So all I'm saying is that the the free throws. Well, and we'll continue to learn about this as the season goes progresses. But I'm just interested to see how the free throw. The number of free throws correlates with their performance. Yeah. And especially it correlates with their three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it hasn't correlated yet. I mean, it hasn't. Them shooting a low low amount of free throws has not resulted in poor three-point shooting. No. And it's not like they're not getting guarded on the outside either. Yeah. So, so that that's all I was trying to. That's That was an interesting question that I thought I'd pose because I've heard a lot about free throws. And I've looked at a lot of free throws. Yeah. And. We're at ten, the ten game mark, Colin. It's wild. Almost third through the season. Or, yeah, almost a third Dang. through the season. Are you are you excited? I am excited. Okay. Good All question. Right. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Um. Well, real quick, I want to talk about their defense mm-hmm. because I feel like this, and it did get overlooked in a sense because they did put up eighty points basically in their last three games. 
are you, we still expecting this defense to oh here here's my concern are we concerned that this defense is going to take a slight step back with the offense taking a step forward i don't think the defense has necessarily taken a step back i think the games have been faster mm-hmm. and that is why more points have been on the board now i agree in the first 10 minutes against arkansas little rock is where i found myself asking that question because it was 22 to 21 yeah a lot of those were tough shots though yes like i remember i I mean a couple i don't remember his name the guy with the weird the weird lefty shot the dude that had the first seven points or yeah yeah i guess that would have been then he broke his nose did he break oh he did break his nose (laughs) but he like he was taking like deep like demar Derozan twos Uh and like like come on so uh against oklahoma i thought that their defense was really good Mm -hmm. just because it's oklahoma yes you gave up a lot of points but the way they passed the eye test in mm-hmm. my opinion. No, I, I agree. I definitely think that they did. UT Arlington, in the first half, they were spectacular. Second half, they were just good. Mm-hmm. And they gave up 40-something points. I do think you bring up a good point with the pace. We've never seen the pace at this level under Grant McCaslin the last two, uh, two years. And I like it way more. I think it's way better for this team. Yeah. And so they're, they're able to push more stuff. And I do think while they're having success in the half court, a lot of their threes are coming in transition. A lot of their looks are coming in transition or getting cross-matched or setting a drag screen, which we've seen more of. And I've been really impressed with that. I think that the pace is going to... It's just so nice watching a team that has some variety to their offense, yes. whereas last year it was like... The same thing. Yes, it was like either Ryan's going coast-to-coast coast or we're stopping in half-court. No, this time there's some secondary transition. There's some middle of the shot clock work there's there's some and we've seen what it's like to have a point guard that can shoot oh javion's been good javion or if if mo's running the point we've seen what it does to opposing teams when they have to defend that because now you get guys in the corner like dj Mm -hmm. and uh reese so if you don't have that shot at the top of the key then you just kick it out or swing it and mo especially against uh little rock and arkin i mean against everybody basically he'll hit a couple threes and then he'll pump fake and he'll be able to get feet in the in the paint and decision make from there. Um, but Javion, I've just, he's gotten so much better over the past week too. It's, and it's, I, it's I think kind that, of weird how he's transformed so fast. It might be. I think there's a direct correlation between that and the offense just going crazy. Like, yeah, he has been exceptional. Like he is, yes, he's become aggressive more. So he's starting to open up his bag a little more. He's starting to try to cross people over. He crossed Davion Harmon over at least twice. Mo got got somebody too. I Mo forgot. got him too. Davion. Oh, it, it was, was Davion. Davion. <laughs> I felt bad for Davion, man. That guy was getting kind of worked on the defensive side of the ball. As a side note, it was great to see Jalen Jackson against Davion Harmon. I just Ooh. really wanted to see that. I just wanted to see two true freshmen. Do not sleep on Jalen Jackson, man. We'll talk about him later. But Do not sleep on Jalen Jackson. Man. But no, to go back to your point, like when you see Mo, never last year would I have thought anybody on the team would just walk up five seconds to a shot clock, hit a NBA three. Yeah. Mo just has done that multiple times this season. And it it opens up your offense so much. It does. And again, him, Javion, all of their ball handlers really. Um, I mean, Jalen obviously hasn't played a ton. Larry hasn't played a ton. But I just think that their, their creation level and their ability to share the ball and get different looks – like they're they're getting the looks they want, but they're different type of looks. So they're getting, yeah. um, whether it's post, uh, post points, or it's corner threes, or it's wing threes, or it's pick and roll, like penetration. It's just different looks, and it's not the same thing over and over which it was last year. Mm-hmm. It's just nice to have this variety. That yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, they play. We're not gonna have a podcast next week because they don't play for nine days, for God's sakes. <laughs> and then they and then week. they play Dayton, and <sighs> Dayton might be the best team they play all year. There's a very good chance. I mean, Grant told me that before the year that hey, Dayton, they're gonna be better than like Utah State and <laughs> VCU. And I was like, okay. And Dayton is legit. Yeah. So, anyways, that'll be a fun game. But uh. But yeah, it's just the the variety is is really good, and I think that it's something that we'll be able to uphold. Do we like do we like the ISO ball that, that's kind of been happening a little bit more as well? I think it's been ISO ball late in the clock, right? And whereas last year it still would have been a play, it would have been a it would have been a pick, it would have been a screen roll, exactly for Ryan. So I like I remember against Oklahoma, Javion baseline behind the back, yeah, mid range. Like I'm perfectly fine. With I'm that. I'm fine with it too, especially like. Like I said, late in the clock last year, it was Ryan Woolridge pick and roll. 
Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Yeah. So this year, it's kind of like we have Mo, we have Javion, we have guys that can kind of break people off in a sense and get yeah. an open look or at least get a look for somebody else. I have no problem with it at all. I think that it's very effective. I think whenever you bring a screen late in the clock, you kind of bring another variable into it. And so this is why that's why people late in game. So if they're holding for the last shot, they'll just go ISO because if you bring a screen, then they could trap it. They could hedge it. They could do a lot of things to maybe, you know, disrupt the play and make it difficult and make you make a pass out of it here. I mean, Mo against anybody, even Doolittle, he wasn't getting like terrible looks, but like Doolittle, it takes a Doolittle level athlete yeah, to contain I mean, he's Mo. like six six. Oh yeah, Doolittle was crazy. Yeah, and he was built like hell, and he's a senior. Like yeah, like he, he, they had on. to put him on Mo. Yeah, like, that's, that's how good Mo is. <laughs> yes, so that's what I'm saying. Like that, it takes that level of defender to contain Mo in one on one, and so um, I'm very, very, very pleased with that. I think the isolation ball is going to save them a lot of times this year especially late in games, late in clocks. Um, one thing I do did have a question about after the Oklahoma game was we saw them put Doolittle on Mo, and then the offense kind of got stagnant. Not stagnant. They still scored, but it wasn't as fluid. Well, I mean, I they they went on a drought. They were stuck at 66 for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how long that was. Yeah, they went on they went on a 9-10 run yeah. Oklahoma did. So regardless, I'm just asking how much of a concern is that, and was that concern answered at all in the following? They got game? open shots in that stretch. You had, I remember specifically, DJ had a couple or had two open threes. Mm-hmm. Reese had an open three in the corner. This is the point, though, where you'd want to see some kind of aggressiveness toward the basket. I don't think Javion played a whole lot during that stretch because it was kind of where they were staggering their minutes. Mm-hmm. But whenever you don't have Mo there and the guys don't hit their shots, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to get into the bench, uh, run through a couple bench players real quick because. Okay, I agree because I want to talk about them too. Yeah, I know you do. I'm ready. Here we go. Here we go. Well, we'll okay, we're not gonna, we don't need to talk about Dang. Zach, we talked about. Reese, we talked about. DJ, do you, do you want to talk yes. about DJ? DJ, these last okay. few games. <laughs> okay. He's getting more and more Patty Mills-like. Oh, he's getting Patty Mills-like. Right he's, he's more and more. I am so glad that I've, I've seen less than one DJ pump fake a game that doesn't lead to a shot. I know. It's great because like he, when- his trigger now is so fast. I mean, so many times against Oklahoma, bang, 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 no pump fake. Against uh, UT Arlington, pump fake, dribble, shoots it instead of just swinging the ball. Yeah. And he's also doing. He's also like facilitating. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll he'll put uh, run to the top of the key, pass inside. He had a really good pass against UT Arlington. I forgot to who, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's he's becoming he's growing within the offense. I think I think this system fits him more. Oh, it def- definitely does. It definitely does. And this system needs the shooting of yeah. DJ. And well, I'm not even just meaning shooting. Like, it's just fluid. Yes, the fluidity of it is just so nice. And DJ's, DJ's always been a smart player. Like, he's never going to, on the offensive side of the ball, force things too much. That doesn't mean he's not going to turn it over. I don't know how many turnovers he has all year. He has six turnovers all year. He only has five assists. But still, he's one of those guys that's, a really good piece in your offense that can move the ball just like you know play free not try to force too much and just kind of makes the right plays i i do see him overpassing a little bit too much i wish he would take a couple more yeah of those days like he's, which is which is crazy to say considering how many he's hit already he makes the open he makes the good he makes the extra pass which i can't complain about yeah I mean, like he had that one a dang in the corner i think it was in the second half that was a really good extra pass i didn't have fun with that one but there was another one where it led to a turnover i was like just shoot the ball DJ, we got on him early in the season. We did. We were, we were out even last week. The last time yeah. we did this podcast, we yeah. were like, uh, DJ needs to be more effective. He needs to be more aggressive. He needs to do something when he's on the court. Last three games, he did something when he was on the court, and he's just been terrific. He's at 56% shooting on the year. He's averaging 3.4 three-point attempts per game and making 56% of them. <laughs> That's so good. He's one of the best shooters in the country. Yeah. And he might be the best shooter in Conference USA. I haven't looked at Conference USA stats, but... He's terrific. Um, anything else on DJ? And he's defending very well. Yeah, he's defending. I mean, he's been in the game. How many minutes he played against Oklahoma? 23? You ever think in any of your life that DJ would be any playing of, 23 minutes? Any of your life. Yeah. 22. He played 22 minutes. 22 minutes against an Oklahoma team. And played well. And played well. Okay. Like, he, he played. He, he got to do little a couple possessions. He, he didn't get scored on. On a switch. He did. He didn't get scored on. He just jumped vertical at, like, the, the free throw line. He did. He did. All right. Are we 
we were kind of were we high on Thomas last week or was that on was that on Monday I was high on him? I, I don't think, think we were high on him. I just think we were. I was high on him on Monday. That's okay. when I was high on him. So after the Utah Arlington game, I was like, oh, Thomas figured it out. They're doing something. I think I was. We were kind of high on him last podcast. I don't remember, but regardless, Thomas has kind of regressed a little bit this week. On Monday, I think he had a really good game against Utah Arlington, and then Oklahoma was like, eh, eh. And then three, <laughs> and then Arkansas Little Rock. It was like uh, he at least he made two open threes. Where I was like, okay, he had two threes. I can't. I will never complain when someone goes two or three from three. They go two or three from three. They probably had a good game, and so kind of counterbalanced everything for me thomas though is still a good rebounder he still has the potential to be a good defender it's on the offensive side of the ball it's his decision making that i saw is is fluctuating still it's like there'll be games where i'm like oh you know what he's actually like comfortable he's making the right passes and then there's games like oklahoma where it's like all right he's not comfortable and he's turnover prone when he's not comfortable i never thought we'd say this going into the season about thomas about uh, well, what? Like I thought he'd be like one of the better teams or better I, players on the team. In practice, he. I mean, I never. I, saw I've never anything, seen practice. No, so, I know. I never yeah. saw anything in practice where I was like, "Oh yeah, that guy is like going to be turnover prone." But yeah. there are games where it's like, "Ooh, I don't know if Thomas should be out there." Like Thomas, yeah. Thomas provides more upside than someone like Dang, but he also, if he's not comfortable in a game and they're playing against a good team, it's it's. I don't it's, know. It's Dang's been balling. Dang has been balling, but he hasn't been, like, scoring. Like, he hasn't been – I don't know what the word is. But Thomas definitely provides a different element than Dang. Thomas needs to be that guy that can get – one of those guys that can get to the rim. I agree, but we've seen him try to attack the rim, and he's it's, turned it it's, over. It's weird because it's more – it's like when he attacks the rim, he purposely tries to avoid contact with the way that he, yeah. like, tries yeah, to, yeah, like, yeah, finesse yeah. the ball yeah. up. Like, just – you're a big dude. Just go up. No, that's a great. That's a great point. Is that we've seen Thomas like try to get like kind of creative around the rim. Yeah, you just don't need just, to get crafty if you can't do the. <laughs> just yam it on people. Yes, you're athletic enough to do it. And the thing is, I've I've heard Grant tell him that. Yeah. Just dunk the damn thing. Yeah. Uh. No, but and you see his athleticism on his rebounds more than anything. Yeah. You see him just I mean, go. He, up how many and offensive rebounds? Yeah, have? rebounds. Let's see. Offensive rebounds. Dang has twenty one. Thomas has ten. Only ten. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember all. I feel like I remember defensive rebounds more. I remember offensive. He has forty-four defensive rebounds, which is really good. Dang, but anyways, we're just he. There are times where he still looks uncomfortable, and I thought we were kind of past that point, but he was definitely we're definitely we're definitely still at that point. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Rose. Listen, when you texted me last night and said he went three of five from three, that's all my heart wanted. <laughs> He went three or five from three, and his two misses were air balls. I was like, "That's the most rose performance." This is beautiful. This, this is the, the, it. Wouldn't be a rose performance if there wasn't an air ball in there. There were two air balls. Like, come on! During man. his sophomore season, he had air balls all the time. Oh, dude, no, because yeah, because he was hoisting, and now uh, it's like his first three two just hoist fade away in the corner. <laughs> what a shot! I was like, he's doing it. This is it, man. I I do I we just get so do happy. you think he can get to seven a game? Seven attempts. Seven, seven points. points? Do you think he can average seven points? What is he at right now? Let's see. Like four, probably. In six games. Rose is at four point two. He's playing thirteen half minutes per game. We have seen him start to play more. That's what I'm saying. So Utah Arlington, he played fourteen minutes. Oklahoma, he played. Rose Musmar played sixteen minutes. Yeah, he guarded Reeves, and that was scary. Yeah, and I. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying at least on defense. You know, he did. He looked. Man, he doesn't Reeves, look as lost. Reeves is. Reeves cold. is good. Reeves is cold. Um. So yeah, he's playing like 15 minutes per game now. Yeah, so we I see him getting he, a seven a game. Might, no, if, I, I if don't he gets, see that. If but. he gets a seven a game, this team is on another level. If he starts hitting three, like what is he shooting this year? What do you think he's shooting from three? Probably like 31, 29 and a half, five of 17 from three on the year. So I don't know how fair that is to him, but yeah, five of 17 from three. If he can get up to 33 percent from three, playing 15 minutes gets, a game. Imagine if he somehow got to any resemblance of what he was. <laughs> This team's winning it all. Oh, dude, the, this team the natty. Is so good. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine shooting? Mo Mo does a pump fake from the logo, kicks it out to Rose, fade away with two guys on him, <laughs> makes it. Imagine, imagine eight hundred point Rose coming out here. Point Rose. It was eight hundred points that we asked on the last podcast. Yeah, it was like seven sixty or something. Yeah, I don't remember. And also, Rose is now tied for second all time three pointers made in school history. 
You know how far away he is from number one? You told me what I forgot. 19. Roosevelt Smart is going to be the number one three-point shooter ever. I remember two years ago when we first did the start of this podcast, I came on here and I did a rant that he is the best shooter in school history. That was his sophomore year. That was two years ago. How do you feel about that? I feel great because he probably still is. Uh, Moe's making his case. Well, Moe's going to be it. Moe's going to be it, no doubt. Moe's going to shatter whatever record Rose breaks. So let's say Rose gets to 340. Moe's going to have 500. He had 99 last year, Moe did. How many has he had this year, Moe? He had 99 threes last year? Yeah. He's already at 30 this year. So he's going to have another 100 at least. So let's just say at the worst case, he's going to have 400 threes in his career. He's shattering that record. Shattering. And he's shooting 43.5% from three right now. (laughs) Yes, this team can shoot, Colin. It's what we've wanted the last two years. This is it. We've done it. This is it. We should have used the hashtag. We should have. Man, this is great. I'm happy. Me too. I don't know why. Because making me feel good. It's good. It's It's a Sunday morning, Colin. We're doing great. Sun's up. Sun rose again. Sun's out. We're doing great. Okay. A couple more players, because I do want to touch on these players, because we did spend a lot of time on the starters. Um, Jemiah Simmons played... He's been playing a good amount. I don't see any need to really talk about him. Oklahoma? He played. He played. He was fine. Zach got in foul trouble in the first half. He was fine, but then eventually Dang or Thomas came in for him. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Uh, Little Rock, he was... Yeah, he was fine. Again, eventually Dang or Thomas. (laughs) Yes, you're right. But he's kind of a... It's kind of a good... He's a good stopgap. He is. There you go. That's good. I agree. I am glad that he is playable. I agree. He is playable. It's no longer whereas la- last year it was like God, but I think that might have been more of a product of just there was nobody else on the floor, so he really showed. Yeah. Whereas this year he, you know, guys can kind of mask his deficiencies, so he's playable. He's been upgraded. There you go. Abdul Muhammad, are you surprised that his minutes have kind of decreased after that really good game against? No, everyone NCAA else team. has been great. Yeah. There's no need to play Abdul. Yeah, I agree. If if like, what are the scenarios where you need to play Abdul? The scenario to play Abdul is if Dang or Thomas is in foul trouble or if you really need someone long on, like, an inbound play at the end of a game. Or <laughs> I feel like he could be, like, the... He's not, but he could be, like, a backup for Reese at the three. Now, now Absolutely that, not. That would include... Why'd you just, why did you just insult Reese like that? No, it's no. A, the backup. Stop, continue. You just insulted Reese. I did not insult me. But I'll tell you what, Rose has taken up those minutes as that backup. Man, is there is there gonna be some kind of dysfunction in the locker room? Best friends <laughs> Best friends turned heads turned enemies. <laughs> turned enemies. No, no, no. See, that's how narratives are created, Colin. Look at us. Someone's, media. someone's gonna run from the, the run media doing that. media things. Yeah, someone's gonna run with that. <laughs> it's gonna be like it's gonna be like Bleacher Report breaking Rose and Abdul have. as reported on the Bruni's Breakdown <laughs> podcast. Rose and Abdul feud. Watch here. Watch. <laughs> okay, Jalen Jackson. I feel like he's getting minutes. His minutes that he is getting are f- being purposely forced in there, and I love it. I love every minute he gets. <laughs> Like, there was no reason. There was absolutely zero reason to play him against Oklahoma because everyone was playing perfectly fine, but they just threw him in there. Against Arkansas Little Rock, no reason to put him in at the two, but they threw him no, in there anyways. There is reason. There is reason. Well, the reason is is to help him. No, the reason is because he's passed up Larry. Right. The reason is because he's a better defender than Larry, and he's quicker and right. he's a better right. ball handler. That, that's, that's okay. That's great. But he's a point guard, but he's playing the two, and he's just kind of in she's there. He's played the one. No, I know. But I'm saying it's just great because every time they throw him in there, it's like, yes. I don't really think there was a reason to, but I love it. Like, <laughs> like I'm not complaining. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I love seeing him on the do court. Do your thing. I love seeing him on the court. I, I agree. I, I do, too. I'm just wondering as, like, are they using him as that – Backup point guards since they don't want to, you know, always you don't want to always have Javion and Mo like Mo run the point whenever Javion's not Javion's not in, and I feel like that's kind of where it it's is. also. I think it's also helping it to where Mo and Javion can play on the court more often together mm-hmm. because against Oklahoma, I think there was a stretch when Javion was the only there was no Mo or Javion on the court mm-hmm. with Jalen. Just been Jalen, yeah, yeah. So that's um, I have no problem with it either. I wish you would have hit that three last night. But and oh, I don't I know. think his shot's bad, but no. But Javion against Davion Harmon, I said this preseason, or yeah, preseason. If he if he did that, you laughed at my face. 
now look where we are. Look, here's one thing I will say. It's, <laughs> look, look, it's interesting to see like top high rated players, like you know, top rated players. That, like that's what that's completely the reason why I want to see it. Yes, like elite players as prospects go up against like seasoned guys like Javion and Mo. Like, and Mo's not even that seasoned, but Javion, who's like worked his way up through the yeah through the, through the JUCO, Juco ranks yeah. and like it gets here, he's like gritty. Like he he's not like flashy or anything. He has an ugly shot. Can't even like defend like that well, but. Javion went at Davion and broke his ankles twice. I was I then, was happy. Then I was Jalen, Jalen against Davion. That was the game. That was that was that. I I was like pictures, 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 like, please. Pictures. Yes. Um. Okay. And Is that all we're saying about Jalen? Nothing else. Yes, Con. Okay. You you've raved about him. I think you, we just spent ten minutes on Jalen. I don't really think we. Spent it was that it long. was at least ten minutes. All right, Larry. How concerned are we? I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're concerned. I just think. People are better than him. Yeah, he needs to develop a he needs to develop a playable skill. Yes, because which sounds harsh, but no, he's a good. You can be a good player without a skill that gets you on the floor. He's a jack of all trades and a master of none, as they say. Wow, that is I. That's what a, such a cliche. What a, I, what I a hate cliche. You. I hate you. Hey, um, you know you gotta you gotta say it. But no, yeah, he's he's a capable ball handler. He's a capable open shooter. He's a capable defender. But he's not like an elite defender like Jalen is. He's not quick like Jalen is. He's not like he he doesn't have anything that gets him on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so on paper, like Larry is just as good, if not better, than player than Jalen. But you know there are aspects that get you on the court. Like there's a reason Kyle Korver is still playing basketball at, <laughs> at forty some whatever however however old he is thirty nine forty yes, yeah exactly. Like there are skills that get you on the court. There's a reason why T J McConnell for the Sixers was on the court. Like he can't shoot. He can't like he's like five eleven. Like no. And shout out to Luke Dello Arizona, T J McConnell Arizona. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just saying there are things that get you on the court. And so Larry needs to develop that, whether that is his shooting, whether that's his defense, whether that's his playmaking, something to get on the court. So that's on him. Um, and lastly, J.J. Murray had a three to break the record last night. Isolation. I kind of want to know why they ran an ISO play for him. Because why not, man? Why not? Remember, remember last year when they ran an ISO for John? <laughs> yeah, he, he had to keep he had to keep passing it and getting the ball back because he kept getting locked up. Yes, I know. Well, JJ is much better than John. No, he is. But <laughs> I just remember it instantly threw it back to to when yes. they gave John an ISO and he just threw up an air ball. JJ is great, man. I love JJ. He's great. And so yeah, we will see a JJ Murray three before the season's over. He's zero for three at this point, but I think he will get one soon. Very sooner than you think. Can't be that soon. They don't play for nine days. So there you go. All right, Colin. I think that's everything I had. Let's do. T- let's get the questions. Is there questions? There are questions. One uh, person's in questions. Oh, I thought you said there were none. So no, it's NTSN. Oh, and Preston. Preston's in questions too. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let me find them. There, wow. There's a lot of them. Actually. Well, there's a lot from NTSN. Oh. Who do you think has impro- improved the most from the start of the year? We don't have to spend too much time on from these. The start, but let's, like let's what we thought. Them. Are we? No, from where they were. From, game, like the first game. One and okay. two. To now. DJ. Who's... Top of my head, That's DJ. That's a good take. That's a good take. Javion. Javion's a cop-out, though. Oh, my gosh. Because it's right? <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a cop-out. Reese could be a good one, too. Everybody's improved. That's but I feel like, But I feel like Reese is more like we kind of already knew. Like It's true. Yeah. Whereas DJ has actually shown different things. Javion shown different things. I was going to say Mo might be a good one just because he has gotten so much ridiculous. What are you, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Just say it. Was, You're gonna say Rose. I don't know if you? I can say this. Yeah, I don't know you if I can say Rose. Weren't you? <laughs> Rose. Anytime, anytime. Go from anytime. Bruni or I laugh. It's like Rose. Go, go from arrest to, to, to threes. I mean, oh, hey man, started from that, the that's bottom. That's a boo. Started from the bottom, man. He's he's here. So, anyways, well, he went from the top to the bottom. I wouldn't have said it if I wouldn't have said it if you if you didn't elicit it. So, anyways, yeah, those those are good candidates. Um, which conference game is the most intriguing? I'm not going to spend too much time on that, but one conference game that game? I think is intriguing. Oh, let me think off the top of my head. I mean, West Kentucky is obviously intriguing because they have them at home this year, I believe. Yes. No, they have them on the road. They We saw Charles Bassey in person last year. Oh, I guess. And we they did. only play one team. They play every team once and then they play pool play. So we could see them twice. But 
Um, I thought we saw them in pool play. No, we were not in the same pool as Western Kentucky last year. I didn't know. <laughs> no, so I'm not going to say Western because that's a road game. Old Dominion will be home. They're bad, though. They're not bad. They're not bad, but they're not as elite. You know what I want to see? Here's mine. UTSA at home. I want redemption. I want to see, I want to see I the, want the Puerto Rican Iverson. Yes, but you will no, see I've him. I've never seen him. You saw him at... Uh, yeah, but I don't, I'm don't. i too busy doing tournament. other stuff that I don't pay attention to the Come players. Tournament. All right, anyways. Uh, UTSA at home. That's my pick. That's a good pick. Do we play UTEP at home? UTEP. Oh. Do they play UTEP at home? Yeah, because we played them way last year. Is that true? I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay, but yes, UTEP's a good pick. So yeah, that's, those are ours. Again, from NTSN, thank you for your question. Uh, do you think the crowd gets over 6K again this year? If they play like this, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it happened against the CBI year. Last year against West Kentucky, it was it was pretty filled. But that was kind of before everyone knew what the team was. Yeah. But but, but yeah, no, the CBI year, I mean, they regularly got good crowds, so I don't... If the team continues to play the way they are, then yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, do you think Tuesday can get two bids, or is this too early to ask? It's probably too early to ask. I don't think. I think it's possible. Bids. I don't think they're two bids. No. I think it's possible, but it, it, is it would rely on West Kentucky being gods and then not winning the tournament. Yes. And yeah. Okay. Um, what was the other question? Preston sent the question. Here it is, Preston. Are you surprised Rose is back already? Well, we predicted Rose being back on December fifth, and he was back like three weeks before that. So what do we know? Uh, I don't really... Is that just the question that was it? Are we surprised? Yeah, are you surprised? Rose is back already. I mean... It's kind of like I've just accepted it's like it. A, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, in the end, it's not our decision. They figured... It, they did what they Yeah, they have more do. information on yeah. it. Than... Like, he got... Grant suspended him. And he went to... I don't know if he went to counseling or whatever. It was, right, but, but they, they dealt with what off, off-court stuff, like Grant had said, and we said on the podcast how they wanted to focus on off-court stuff. Yes. They got through that, obviously, and he's back in the court. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Um, oh, we talked about other USA teams so far. We'll, we'll have to look more into that. Maybe we'll do a USA podcast later on. Who knows? But thank you, Preston, for your questions. Thank you, NTSN, for your questions. Last question is, my friend Anthony asked... <laughs> Who'd win one-on-one, me or you? Don't lie. Well, Anthony, I would beat you. If we played a if we played a 10, I would beat you 10 to 2. And I'm willing to put any amount of money on this that I would beat you in one-on-one. So, there you Am go, Am I Anthony. better than Anthony? No. Damn. No. But I put more than two on you before. You have. You have. I all right, have. all right. We're gonna go play after this podcast. Yeah, you're not, you're not putting two on me. <laughs> I'm about to get wrecked. <laughs> also, also, DJ Draper said you can't guard me, Bruni, and I said, "Yes, I can, DJ." And I said, "You can't guard me," and he he laughed like he's like, "Listen, you're, you're probably right, DJ." He's 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 grown a bit. I don't know if I don't <laughs> you know if it's freshman DJ, you might get away. This is Birdville DJ. If this is I, Birdville DJ, but now he's instead of the Birdville bomber, he's more like the. Oh, you didn't know where you're going. I, I didn't know. All I know is he's Drape Juice now. Yeah, he is. Okay. And he's hey, a, DJ Draper versus Matt Bruni one on one game coming up soon. Colin's charity gonna, game. Colin's gonna film it. A charity, charity game. game. Yeah, hey, we're gonna really sell out the. What pit if he for dunked that. on you? If DJ dunked on me, <laughs> call him. <laughs> DJ, I know you're listening to this because you have to be because you're in the intro. Dunk on, <laughs> dunk on Bruni, please. Now we're playing one on one. You actually? I'm, I'm bringing my shoes. Next practice. Bro, you're about to have everybody watching you. What I'll, if I'll what if you got a walk-on? What if you preferred walk-on Bruni? Preferred walk-on Bruni? Get get one game in? One game in? The last game of the year? <laughs> Colin writes the recap. <laughs> We're out here. What would your number be? Because all your numbers are taken. You'd yeah. have to do some obscure number, like no. thirty, like Dwight Howard 39. No, 25. That's my favorite number. Dang, you couldn't be, you couldn't be unique. 25 is unique. 25 is pretty unique. Who then, is number 25? Then you'd be, Derek Rose is 25. <laughs> then you'd be on like Sports Center, like 24 7 sports writer. <laughs> Matthew Bruni, long time, long, long time writer of the team. All right, Grant, if you're listening to this, Reem, whoever, whoever's listening to, this, listening to this. Nobody's listening to this. If Bruni beats DJ in one on one, that gets him two minutes on the court. Two minutes. He's got, he, listen. Oh, wait, let's look at the schedule. Wait, this could happen. Wait, because look who they play. 
Arkansas Pine Bluff and Texas Wesleyan. I can play against Texas Wesleyan. <laughs> Come on, I can do that. You gotta send in your mixtape. Coaches, yeah, I was gonna say the coaches never seen me play. They probably think I'm a scrub, like talking like this. No, Bruni's pretty good. I'm not a scrub. If Bruni was not a scrub, three inches taller, he could he'd be probably. Bro, imagine if I was four inches tall. Imagine if I was five eleven. Dang, Ooh. you just admitted you're five foot seven. Um, if if Bruni was five foot eleven, fringe D one player. Yes, at the minimum. At the I'm at a, the minimum. No, 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 fringe D one. I like that. I like that. At the minimum. Walk on. Walk on. I'm walking on to like Texas State or somewhere. <laughs> then getting wrecked by UTSA. <laughs> okay, that's all I had, Con. That's all I have. <sighs> all right, let's go watch football. We play each other in fantasy football, Con. Do you want to know how we're doing? Playoffs. This is a big game. Colin and I play each other in the playoffs. I don't know how. Oh, mine's not loading. Is yours loading? Oh, here we go. I'm winning, thirty-seven to twenty-six. What's the projected score, though? Me. Oh. Deshaun Watson has four points in the second quarter, and they're losing to Denver, three to twenty-one. I'm gonna win. All right, for everybody, for Colin Mitchell, for Maya Mitchell, and myself, Matthew Bruni. Thank you all for joining us. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us, subscribe to us on uh, Apple and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter, MeetGreen247, CJH Mitchell, Matthew Bruni underscore, all of that good stuff. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your grandma. If you disagree with us, let us know respectfully, of course. And we'll talk to you later.